This is Aisle 42. When a snack company bakes sustainability right into their name, you know that they're deeply committed to making good things for people and the planet. In this episode, I go behind the scenes with Sheena Russell, the founder and CEO of Made With Local, Canada's first B Corp certified snack food company. You're gonna learn about how they source fresh, better tasting ingredients from local farmers, how they made their start at farmer's markets, how they worked with social enterprise kitchens and now make their own snack bars, and how they fly in the face of all the greenwashing out there. Sheena gives a damn about the planet, the food they make, and the humans they make it for. I think you're really gonna love this episode. All right, let's jump into the future of food with Sheena from Made With Local. Sheena, you and I have been connected for a few years now, and I've been a big fan too. My family used to buy your Made With Local bag of ingredients. And just like an Ikea project, we would bake our own soft baked bars. I love those memories uh, with our with my daughter. But before we get into your amazing story and your brand and your product and your sustainability efforts, I have a warm up question for you. So just, you know, like Wayne's World, go back in time. <laughs> Sorry, let me rephrase that. Go into the future, 25, 50, 100 years from now, if you were to imagine the perfect grocery store of the future, what would it look like? Oh, I mean, for me, that's a no-brainer. It's one that's hyper-plugged into bringing local food to consumers in a way that feels really accessible. And I think that that has to be the, the way of the future, right? We need to be able to localize our supply chain and we need to be able to create a stronger sense of food sovereignty in Canada through the different reason, regions, whether it be, you know, Atlantic or Central or West. One of the scariest things that I see happening in grocery stores right now is that in a place here like Nova Scotia, for example, which has a one of the larger orchard industries in Canada, you know, I'm still able to buy a New Zealand apple in a grocery store, like more readily than I can find one that was grown here in my own backyard. So for me, it's all about figuring out those systems and processes to allow grocery stores to work on a more local supply chain basis. That's awesome. Um, have you been seeing some of these changes in La Produsa where they're growing like fresh vegetables or herbs or things under under lights yeah. <laughs> right in the grocery store it's it's pretty wild i uh i bought a little bit of them but uh yeah the, the future of the grocery store it's going to be i hope it's exciting me too <laughs> i really do all right so let's take a step back and i want to explore why and how you make these amazing food bars and i want to kind of trace the value chain a little bit here because i feel it's an important part of sustainability and an important part of your story uh, so there's a bit of a thread that kind of goes through it Let's talk about ingredients. You have farmers, not just suppliers. Like they're right on your website. Your ingredients are growing by like Dave and Evelyn. They, they grow your cranberries and, and David Griffin, he's your hemp farmer and, and so many more. And that's pretty unique. Transparency is a beautiful thing. Can you tell us a little bit about your farmers and why this piece of the puzzle is so important to the connection that you're building with consumers? Sure. So our relationship with our farmer producers started back when we were a farmer's market table ourselves at Made With Local. So we started making our bars in a friend's cafe after hours about 10 years ago. And 
the mission that we had right from the earliest days of this company were evolved around this idea that we could make the best snack on the market and we could do it using ingredients that were locally produced and grown. So we went to the farmer's market literally thinking of that as almost like our distributor catalog, (laughs) you know, like where most big uh, CPG companies or lots of them for sure are trying to think about, you know, what, how many ingredients can I get on one truck delivered to me all at once? We kind of thought about the farmer's market as, as our, the epicenter of where we were going to be able to create the, or get the inspiration to create our foods. So a lot of those relationships that we formed in those early days, like with Dave and Evelyn of Terabiotic Cranberries, like Tom and Mary Ann from Cosmin and Witten Honey, and so many more. We've been working with them since like that's 11 or 12 years ago now that we've been putting their beautiful ingredients into our bars. And, you know, one thing that I was told consistently every step of the way in the growth of this company was that in kind of a condescending way often, you know, oh, that's really cute that you can do that now. But, you know, one of these days you're going to have to grow up and start using, you know, a big multinational source for for those ingredients, you know, if you really want to make it. And I love that we have been able to stick to our guns on our commitment to sourcing all of our ingredients from farmers, food producers, ethical suppliers that we have access to here in Canada. And our product is better for it. I'm going off on a little bit of tangent already on your corner. Tangent away. Sorry, but one thing that I really want to drive home to, and and our, our, our existing customer community already know this, but one thing that I like to really drive home is that our products taste amazing because of the incredible obsession (laughs) that we have with sourcing the best possible ingredients. So it's like exceptional quality ingredients in means that coming out is an exceptional quality bar, right? Um, It's not an accident or coincidence that we are so laser focused on sourcing these very sustainably and transparently sourced foods. That that quite literally is why our product is, I think, uh, the best tasting on the market. And and it has to taste good. Like it, you know, even the performance of a bar, the flavor, the taste, the texture, the Everything about it has to really hit for consumers, especially, you know, to grow that consumer base for them to get excited about it. It really needs to be amazing. I think that's one of the things you guys are obviously solving is just like, yeah, it tastes great. And by the way, these people help make it. Absolutely. Tell us about this farmer direct organic thing. Is it a program, a certification, or are there tractors lined up outside your garage door every morning? Like, what is that? What's that program? The farmer direct organic? Yeah. Yeah. So Farmer Direct Organic is actually one of our suppliers. So we partner with them to source regenerative organic certified oats, which is the number one ingredient in all of our products now. So that's a transition that we made this year. We transitioned from using a conventionally grown gluten-free oat to now partnering with Farmer Direct Organic to source oats that are grown in such a way that it Uh, actually fixes carbon in the soil in a much greater quantity than other agricultural methods would. And therefore, you know, regenerative agriculture is now being seen as a major tool in our tool belt to fight climate change. So it's a really, um, I was going to say innovative, but it's actually not innovative process. It's an ancient process. Of course, you know, the communities that attended to this land here in Canada um, for millennia before we were 
doing westernized agriculture here. You know, the indigenous communities understood regenerative agriculture very intensely, right? They completely understood that we needed to always have cover crops on our soil and we needed to practice lower, you know, they weren't churning up the soil like we do through high till conventional methods. And so a lot of these learnings are coming back full circle into modern agriculture and are being named essentially as regenerative organic, which is the certification that we partner or that we have on the oats that we source from Farmer Direct Organic. It's very cool. Very cool. And sticking with certifications and groups and that you're now B Corp. And if I'm not mistaken, you were the first snack bar company in Canada to become B Corp certified, correct? I believe so. Um, that we, we became B Corp certified in 2019. Yeah. That was a long time ago. It feels like a long time ago, especially in B Corp world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So talk to us about like that process, that vetting process. Why is it important to you? And, and how do you feel like consumers are responding to that level of transparency? For us, it was something I... Ever since I heard about B Corp certification as a consumer, I knew that it was going to be the certification that we were going to go at full tilt um, because it embodies so much, right? It's not a singular, you know, data point or a singular process. B Corp certification goes through your entire company with an extremely fine-toothed comb and holds you up to a, a global standard that has proven to only over time, you know, now that we've been at B Corp for four years, they're continuing to get more and more stringent as to what counts as um, joining that group of companies that are deemed to be the most sustainable and transparent in the world. So for us, you know, it was important for me to like follow through with that certification, even as an early stage business. And now for us to use is really a guide map, I would say, as we, as we get bigger and, and our team grows and we understand, you know, what, where we want to see this business go into the future, we can look to the B Corp community and, and the B Corp processes and say, okay, you know, what are the best practices and how do we continue to push forward in this way in our, in the business community? Yeah, it's actually, um, I have your snack bar here. I had to steal one before my daughter ate it. Um, you actually have it right on your pack, right on the back of the package. The, have you always, as soon as you got it, did you put it on pack right away? Was the, the B Corp certification logo sort of like, all right, we're going to, we're going to make sure everyone sees this and, and, and knows about it right away? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, being an early-ish adopter, I would say, especially in Canada, it was important for us. And, and we understood in the early days of us coming on board that there was, you know, we had a responsibility to help promote this certification as well, because, you know, especially four years ago and even today, it still isn't quite, you know, super duper mainstream, right? It's still something that feels like it's gaining steam. Um, and, and we wanted to make sure that we were promoting it on our packaging, on our website, and then obviously also on our social media through storytelling there, because mm -hmm. we want to be part of the education that goes out into the world. Yeah. You know, given we're in the natural organic space, I, I feel like we hear about B Corp a lot, but it doesn't take, you start looking up directories of, you know, Canadian food companies and B Corp and the list is pretty short. It's a lot shorter than sort of the, the buzz would make you think. So there's a lot of, a lot of room to grow for uh, food brands in Canada that are sort of putting themselves up to that level of scrutiny and, and vetting and support networks. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Do you find that 
are consumers, do consumers react to it and comment on like, oh, I saw that you're B Corp. And is it part of that consumer conversation? Yeah. And now more than ever, you know, we just came off a trade show a couple of days ago where we had so many people coming by and actually on our trade show booth, we have a big pop out that's like backlit. It's the set. It's it's the main call out on our entire booth beside, you know, the name of the company. And it definitely catches lots of eyes and we have lots of, you know, Oh, you guys are B Corp too. That's so awesome. I've always wanted, you know, to learn more about that or, you know, that's my goal for my company someday too. And I know your question is more around consumers, but the folks, regardless of who you are at these trade shows, you're also a consumer. So that's something that we pay a lot of attention to, um, in environments like that. And, and we do, hear about it uh, from our customers uh, via social media and inbounds around their excitement uh, to keep their eye out for more B Corp brands and that being a a big factor in why they they buy from us. Yeah, it's a big education process too. I can imagine even at the sampling level or at the consumer event level where when it comes up, a lot of people would be like, what is that? And then you have that moment to be like, well... Let me tell you quickly, I'd rather, you know, I want to talk about all these other things, but yes, B Corp is this, and this is why it's important. And it's a, it's a unique, um, you know, it's a differentiator for sure. When you started Made With Local and it really started ramping up, you started working with, I believe, social enterprise kitchens to help manufacture your product. Is that, that was what you were doing early on? Yeah. But now you're making it yourself. So um, what was that, that, that business model? I mean, that would have been a transition. I can only imagine how much work that would have been. But what role did those social enterprise kitchens play in the initial development of the product and of the brand and the experience for everyone? Oh, a huge role, right? We were we started working our, with our first social enterprise bakery here in Nova Scotia in 2014. So we were a farmer's market table from 2012 to 2014. And then I became pregnant with my daughter in 2014, at which point I needed help manufacturing, of course, because my belly was like physically getting in the way. And we partnered with this little social enterprise bakery here in Nova Scotia, which is essentially an organization that runs a bakery program that employs adults with barriers to the mainstream workforce. And that can mean any multitude of things. And they did not discriminate about what barriers you were or were not experiencing in your life, but they were welcomed into this uh, bakery program and they made food for companies, small companies um, like mine. So we started working with them then and grew into over the course of the next eight years, a beautiful partnership where they expanded their footprint of their bakery several times to accommodate our growth. We innovated new products together. We became really, really close with them. Like the relationship that we still have with that organization here in Nova Scotia is it's really special. And the the only tension point ever that really existed between us and them was that we were growing faster than they could keep up. And, you know, then what we would do in those moments when we would solve with an incremental production partnership, we kept them running as much as possible until there was a point where, uh, as you mentioned there, we had the opportunity to buy our own bakery. And we had a conversation with them saying, you know, we've had this opportunity. It's something that's going to allow us to bring all of our manufacturing back home here to Nova Scotia and really control the quality. uh, Because that was one thing admittedly that did 
was our main challenge with running at times two separate bakeries, the, the social enterprise co-packer here in Nova Scotia, and then a second one somewhere else was, it was really hard to keep things consistent. And they always, that this organization here and local to us, they're called the flower cart group. They were, you know, cared as much as I did, if not more that the best possible bars were making it out into the market. So I knew that they were also keen to see us pull things back under our own roof and, the way that we really saw the transition of us moving out of that partnership and into our own space was that we, you know, we graduated, right? We, we had this incredible partnership together for eight years where we created many jobs and opportunities for adults with disabilities. We just had this amazing ripple effect out into the community there. And, and then it was time to, you know, create space for other brands to follow up in behind us and do that same thing um, in partnership with them. So it was an, an incredible journey and, and it continues to be, we still actually outsource, um, I would say kind of like odd jobs to their team because that's what they love doing is different labeling projects. And, you know, if we have small little off jobs that we need some extra hands on, they're the first person we call always. That's so great. What a great genesis and what great people to have in, in your back pocket. Yeah. I've been in some food factories lately. I'm always blown away by all the automation and the computers and the software and the technology and everything's so intense. I, I feel my anxiety go up every time I walk into a, <laughs> a food factory, but running your own manufacturing, running it efficiently, but it's one of the sustainability, you know, categories that can be really hard to tackle, whether it's water or waste or energy or all these different things. So what do you guys have in place right now? And when it comes to the sustainability efforts, what are you doing or what are you hoping to do with your manufacturing to really lean into for the planet doing the best job you can? Yeah, great question. So our secret weapon at Made With Local, which is not such a secret because everybody says this, but our secret weapon is having like the absolute best team ever. <laughs> we have an like a world-class team at our bakery here. It uh, is led by our COO, Brian Alloway. He is an obsessive around lean manufacturing. So if you want to talk about waste or the reduction of waste or the eradication of waste in all its shapes and forms... He's the guy and he's leading the charge down at our bakery alongside, we've got our incredible director of operations, Michaela Dentino, our quality manager, Leah Jessup, and, or yes, Leah, I blanked on her last name for a second, Leah Jessup, um, and an, an incredible production team who are constantly just thinking about continual improvement, what's the best way to be, you know, doing process ABC and really keeping a close eye on how we're obviously running a tight ship from an operations and costing perspective, but also from an environmental footprint, because in addition to all of these folks being exceptionally amazing at their operations jobs, they're also values aligned humans that love working for me with local and have that kind of in set commitment to sustainability in their own lives too. Right. So yeah, we're just, I don't want to say lucky, but we've we've got an amazing team who are paying attention to this at all times. Even, you know, odd little projects that we've had at the facility, like rehoming our plastic buckets that our almond butter, nut butters, um, honey comes in, you know, finding homes for those, whether it be for people in the community or different, you know, you never know what people are going to use things for. So we've found new homes for those instead of just throwing them out. We're, 
making sure they're being reused. Maybe, maybe to house everyone's Lego collections. Honest to God, whatever. <laughs> you know what? We don't ask any questions, but if somebody else in <laughs> marketplace wants to come pick up a bunch of clean, perfectly good buckets and they got a use for them. Great. It's better than them going in the bin. That's awesome. But yeah, so we have, there's, there's so many little ways that our team down at the facility has been constantly thinking about how to run, you know, a lean and sustainable facility. And when you're cranking out so much food, it can be hard to take a moment to, you know, put some time and energy towards addressing that issue or doing this better or more sustainably. It's it's hard work. Are you guys production wise? Do you are you have lots of capacity and you're just kind of getting going or what's what's the how often is the team running doing production runs? Yeah, so we run Monday to Friday, eight to four. 4.30 or so. Um, so fairly standard shift. We have eight folks on our production floor most times. And we're, I would say, again, which is the case for me with local at any given time, we create capacity and then we fill it right back up. We're not out of space. We have lots of space and we're putting in new automation and new processes. Like I just mentioned, that continuous improvement that our team is, is always focused on. We're kind of just about a year into the game at this point with it under our own roof and constantly looking for ways to to create incremental gains in capacity. But we've got lots of space and uh, and a team that's ready to take this thing to the next level. So that's awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about your brand for a second. Sustainability is baked right into your name. Literally, that sounded like a tagline. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but made with local, it's very descriptive. You know, there's not even a nickname or an acronym that that really helps make it faster to say or whatever. But what's the story behind the brand name? And yeah, let's, let's talk about the name made with local. I mean, we've talked about some of the, there's some very tangible, uh, you know, reasons for it that you've kind of outlined already, but how does the name resonate with re- retailers? How do consumers resonate with the name? Talk about the brand name for a moment. Yeah. So the brand name was born at the farmer's market. Actually, I lied. It wasn't born at the farmer's market. It was born sitting around my friend's dining room table at like 1am after there was a sea of open wine bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Good strategy. Good strategy. Big potluck dinner. Yeah. It was not a boardroom table at some fantasy branding agency. It was at my friend's farmhouse after a big supper and too many bottles of wine. And my co-founder at the time and I, you know, we were riffing on all these different names and with, with all of our friends and that one, we just decided to go with. So I, again, at that stage in the game, this is a 2011, I was not thinking about the ramifications of this name on a trademark, on international sale, on anything outside the context of this little five foot farmer's market table. That was all this name needed to do for me was to be the name for this little space. But lo and behold, here we are far beyond (laughs) that dining room table and far beyond the farmer's market table too. And I would say, you know, it is a very descriptive name and it's something that we, I think we've, we've come to own it, you know, over the last 10 plus years, it's something that we've, we've continued to really settle into. And, and the concept of, of local for us is something that we've continued to build on. I won't say try and change because I don't like the idea of it feeling like greenwashy because it's not at all, but this idea around local impact is something that we've continued to double down on over the course of this last decade, growing the business and, and it's even though, you know, we're a lot bigger now than we were in 2012 at the farmer's market, it is something that I think 
we've grown to be synonymous with trust and transparency with our customers all across Canada and now into the U.S. So Amazing. The, the barriers or any roadblocks or hiccups that we thought we might run into with promoting our brand called Made with Local to American consumers has so far been a complete non-issue. People just love the product because it's an incredible product and they understand, you know, where we're based and where we're local to. And they, they love us for that, not in spite of it. That's awesome. So good. Okay. Let's talk about packaging. Go back to the packaging here for a second. So first off, most bars, snack bars come in like some funky, you know, spacey foil. What is this material? Is this paper? Is this uh, paper top? What is this uh, material? We do. So we do use, it's a multi-layer plastic foil laminate currently. Our packaging has evolved over the years based on, you know, the needs of the business and, um, lots of other factors, but really right now we have a very craft paper look. Our original packaging back in the day was actually paper laid over foil and, and, and plastic. So we had this extra earthy kind of vibe going on, but over time that became unsustainable from a cost perspective. So right now we are using a, a fairly conventional film, but it's made in a way that feels very different in that most bars, I would say maybe every other single bar in the category right now in Canada is, is wrapped on an automated machine where the packaging looks like it had, you know, it's mechanically wrapped. You have the fin seal on the back. It's just a different type of construction where we are, we really love the way our packaging looks. It's, it's still hand packed. Um, and it has just a different shape and it gives us a lot more space to tell our story on. So that's where you get that sort of flat envelope sort of shape. And I will say we are working right now actively on some trials to transition to a film that has better sustainability properties. Um, that's, not to go off on a total sidebar, but my background actually, while I started Made With Local was in waste management. So I understand a lot and maybe sometimes too much about the recycling and composting industries in different municipalities and, and nationally across Canada. So for me, it's taken a lot of time and research to figure out, you know, what technology is available in the packaging market that actually is more sustainable and is mm-hmm. widely recyclable or widely compostable and is compliant with municipal waste management programs in the majority of places across the country. So we are working on that. It's complicated. And uh, like you said, you know more about it than I do. But anytime anyone talks about it, my brain just wants to explode because even just hearing stats around the percentage of communities in, in Canada, you know, that have proper recycling programs that can handle packaging that is that is more sustainable. Right. It's just not there in a support network. And in the U.S., it's even worse. So it's a it is a hard road ahead for sure. And um, I think one of the challenges in sustainability and, you know, B Corps, I'm sure feel this is that they kind of feel like they have to do everything yeah. to be as like 100% sustainable. And that's a really hard thing to measure up to. And so I think that, you know, tackle the things you can and work towards the things you can. I was talking to somebody about Tetra Pak and the challenges of Tetra Packaging and, you know, it's, it's not easy. So, you know, it's just, it kind of comes leaning into the hard things. That's um, what I think is most notable. You, uh, sticking with packaging again, you give a lot of real estate on your packaging to your values and your sustainability. And like on the front, it says like all good stuff, real food bar on the back. It says 
consciously sourced ingredients, nourishing local communities. You've got the B Corp logo. Like this is a lot of real estate when it comes to like in the category, like your competitors, people in the set are not saying these things as loudly and as big as as you're saying them. So what did the process look like to make these sustainable messages like so big on pack and what role are these messages having to getting retailers and consumers excited like on pack visible by everybody all the time? Yeah. So you're right. We go hard when it comes to the sustainability and community centered messaging and it's because we can, right? And it's because it's our whole thing. Like we, there most other bars in the category are competing on a singular nutritional fact, right? This bar has 20 grams of protein. This bar has zero sugar. This bar is paleo, whatever, keto, some other thing that's going to be gone in like five more years. So there's all of this noise happening in the category around trends. Anytime a new grocery trend comes about, it's going to manifest itself in the bar category first and beverage probably too. But those are some of the earliest categories to get hit by mushrooms. Got to put mushrooms in there, Sheena. Yeah. Oh, I, mushroom I love, snack no, bar. No shade on mushrooms. I love mushrooms. I'm not throwing any shade. I love it. I know. <laughs> I'll throw shade at keto all day. I got all the time in the world for mushrooms. Excellent. <laughs> so there's all this noise, right? And, but so, so what we do instead of you know, just playing to the lowest common denominator in that space is to create a product that is absolutely delicious. It's really approachable. It's family friendly, and it has such a bigger impact on the world outside of just having zero sugar or 20 grams of protein or whatever. Anybody can literally do that. Anybody can make a bar that has 20 grams of protein or zero sugar if you want. It's it's not that, it's not that impressive. Sorry, everybody else. <laughs> But what we're doing is this like is the over the course of 10 years, you know, building really strong relationships with local farmers and food producers. We're constantly putting, you know, our our thinking hat on around how we can use our business as an impact machine. Right. That's what it means to be a purpose driven business or an impact driven business is how can I use my business as a force for good and there's not really anybody else in our category who's even thinking about that, it seems. So we are really loud and proud about it because it's not something that the big brands can really easily just rip off either. Again, like any other singular nutrition fact that doesn't really have any protection around it. We've, we've built this trust and transparency in our brand and, and are really proud to put that out front because it's, it's special to us. Very cool. And you've got a QR code. Uh, do people use it? <laughs> I have this love-hate relationship with QR codes and COVID sort of brought it back and I think it's here to stay now. But you've got a QR code and, it's, and the design, to be honest, is actually really charming. It's like, scan me. It's on a cute little sign. I'm like, okay, I was just told by a snack bar to scan. I'm going to do it. But um, are people hitting it? Are people going to your website? I know you sell products. I buy um, bars from your website. Um, so what's sort of this um, connection to pull consumers into your website and into your um, network? Yeah. So the QR code vision that we have currently, it does just send to our website, which is fine, but I have a much bigger dream for the QR code strategy on our pack. And that is you know, a bit more of an immersive experience into truly what makes that 
unique flavor that you have in your hand in that moment, so special and really connects you to, for example, if you held, you know, a blueberry almond butter bar in your hand, it's connecting you to um, Van Dyke's Blueberries and Shelburne, Nova Scotia and their family farm that they run um, here and that same local honey that's sourced from just down the road from our bakery and the regenerative organic oats. I just wanted to have this really beautiful story that you can then tune into from the comfort of your, you know, your phone screen for 20 or 30 seconds and learn more about why this little bundle of, you know, nutrition in your hand is so much more than that. So that's, that's in the works, but it's not instituted yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always hard to activate those types of things. I, it was, um, ethical bean, the coffee roaster back in 2010, Mm -hmm. they had a QR code. I'd never seen a QR code. No one knew what to do with a QR code back then, but it was basically, they just wanted to tell a story. Like these beans were grown there by these people. And and this is the journey that these beans have taken. Um, so what you're doing there, I think that's a good aspiration to go for. I think people can get excited about it. Especially, you know, it's on the back of the pack. It's most likely sort of a, a loyalty sort of thread. It's not, you know, someone who's brand new to the brand, maybe they're going to hit it. But for those that, you know, maybe this is their second or third purchase, or they've been buying it for a while, and they haven't, it's not easy to as a consumer to go, oh, I'm going to go to that brand's website and learn more It's sort of a, that can be a little bit of a hard um, transition. So um, being able to sort of lean into those stories and tell them more boldly, which you already are, that's a, that's a really good connection. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of the reason too, why we are so active on social media, right? Instagram and TikTok are kind of two main storytelling platforms. And I don't know about you, but that's where I go right away. If I find a new brand that I'm really, my, my interest is peaked around, I immediately go to their Instagram first. I don't even bother to Google them. I want to see what they're doing on social. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that we prioritize our storytelling and, and assume that our customers are kind of coming at us from that angle as well. Yeah. And at the retail level, it's interesting to see how that plays out at retail. Uh, when I shop, there's a, a Canadian superstore in my neighborhood and I don't shop there all the time. But when I do, uh, there's no cell signal in there. Like my phone drops to like emergency mode, like 911 is the only thing I can do when I'm in this superstore. And so my shopping experience now is sort of modified. I'm like, oh, I can't, you know, check social or hit a QR code or look up something, which I tend to do. I, I'm not necessarily your average shopper, but it actually gets in the way of the shopping experience. So when I am in a grocery store where I do have a proper connection, I agree, my family won't shop with me because I just stop and I'll gawk at a thing and I'm zooming. I'm zooming. I can't talk. I'm, I'm looking up something because I'm curious. And I think that more and more consumers, especially those that uh, their intention is to buy more sustainable food. Um, and of course, everyone, especially in our industry, talks about price being the biggest barrier to sustainably intended consumers to them actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, price is a factor. We all know that, but it's not the only factor. And I think that the curiosity and the intent and the, yes, there might be a little bit of virtue signal going on. There might even be a bit of ego going on. That's why we're probably not going to see grocery stores in the future that have no like no branding because people are associate their beliefs and their values with those that, you know, make products to feel and act the same way. And that branding and packaging helps communicate that. But mm-hmm. the shopping experience is becoming more and more digital, even in the grocery store. So it's, uh, it's looking, it, it's getting kind of weird, but it's getting kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where do people find your product other than your made with local website? Uh, where uh, do people find your products? Which kind of stores? Uh, where are you? 
Yeah. So we're available in about 3000 grocery stores all across Canada. Uh, we're in Shoppers Drug Mart as well, outside of the usual sort of grocery sphere and lots of amazing independent uh, health food stores, coffee shops, etc. There's a pretty extensive list, I would say, on our website. Um, you can find retailers near you. And of course, yeah, you can find us online and, uh, and, and on our different social media channels as well at Made with Local on Instagram and TikTok. Very cool. Yeah, I, I found you guys on Instacart the other day, so that was cool to nice. see. But uh, but I'm a loyalist. I'm on your mailing list. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep I'll keep going to the mothership. That's mothership. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your time and for everything you're doing in your community. And you know, sustainability is not an easy thing to do in the food space, and you guys are doing beautifully. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing Sheena's story and how her team is making the future brighter through food. Do yourself a favor, grab a made with local snack bar the next time you're in the grocery store or shopping online. They're so yum, yum, good. Yum, yum, good. <laughs> Always wanted to do that. Okay, focus. Listen, if you want a chance at winning this month's $250 grocery gift card, open up a web browser and go to aisle42podcast.com. All right. That's a wrap. I'll see you in the future.